Exodus 27, and our first reading is verse 1. And thou shalt make an altar of sittim wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof, his horns shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with brass. Now will you go to chapter 28 of Exodus, and just a couple of verses then. Go verse 15 and verse 16. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen, shalt thou make it. Four square, it shall be being double. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. We'll not read it, but if you read on in the, the following verses, you'll see that there are three rows of four stones to be set into the breastplate of the high priest of Israel. Now, will you go with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, please? 1 Kings chapter 18. And let's just read from verse 30. 1 Kings 18 and verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he would... He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the altar in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time, and they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time, and he, they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now, we know the Lord will bless that reading of his own 
inspired word. Let us pray. Father, in the wonderful name of your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you now that you would shut us in with yourself, that your Spirit would move from seat to seat and heart to heart. Would you stir up your church? Would you give us hearts of love and passion and fire and fervence for you again, Lord? Where embers have, Lord, gone out and even they are just smoldering, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you will not extinguish them altogether, but rather your promise is that you will breathe upon them fresh breath. We pray, O oh God, that you would stir up your church. And Lord, if there's one who has not yet come to saving faith in Christ, O oh God, tonight we pray that they would see the Lamb of God, the need of their soul for the forgiveness of their sin, the need for their family, the Lamb for an household, and the need for our nation, a nation that's away from you and ungodly. We pray. O oh Lord, in Jesus' name, for our nation tonight, Lord, turn us. Lord, your word says, Ephraim bemoaneth himself. Saying, turn us, O Lord, and we shall be turned. We pray, Lord, that you would turn our nation tonight. Turn us back to the God of our fathers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The need of the hour in the year 2018, we tend to put a lot of it on uh, what political party is in either Westminster, whether they're in Stormont, or even in the White House. But the need of the hour, I believe, has gone past political party, especially for Ulster. The need of the hour lies within the church. The need of this hour lies in the church getting real with God again. The need of the hour is the church, the born-again, blood-washed believers, taking their stand and repairing the altar of the Lord that the church has allowed to be torn down and broken down in our land, allowing all manner of sin and uncleanness to happen, starting the house of God, starting at the church and starting among God's people. The church has become so watered down and it's become like a wearied old man, afraid to lift his head, unable to walk without aid, no longer taking its stand, but rather it is melting at the heat of the day. We find that the heat comes from outward uh, things that are attacking our land, our nation, our heritage. And things that are coming against us, modernism and the Word of God. Ecumenism among the church and the ungodly, the unsaved. We're finding that the atheists and the humanists and the communists, even the socialists, are all gathering together to strike hard at the Word of God. And we find it right in our own government, the Marxism that runs rife, wanting nothing to do with Christ and his gospel. And rather now it's come to the place where you and I are now become the outcasts in the land. And that which is good is now evil. And that which is evil is now good. 
is it's not strange that just this week across Britain and even the whole of Ireland into Ulster that we find there is a great storm that has come and it's been termed the beast from the east. Does it not even seem symbolic in itself that the cold grip that has, has led hold from the east upon our nation tonight, does it not even seem almost parabolic of the beast of Europe that has been holding us and has its tentacles in deep, which will not allow our nation to go without being able to pay for billions of pounds worth, even though, as we said last week, the blood of our sons and even our daughters have been, our forefathers have been slain across the fields and the shores of Belgium and France to liberate them. Is it not true that our nation has become so weak that even the established church in London, in the British Isles, that the established church now is allowing all manner of things to go on within it. That it's become so weak, it's become powerless, and that in turn has now moved into the nation where we find that the United Kingdom has become a lion without teeth. The great British lion no longer is a force to be reckoned with like it was in the world, but rather it has become a little island that is in the North and Sea and the Atlantic Ocean. Notice this, what happens in the land of the northern kingdom of Israel in Elijah's day. The altar was broken down. The altar of Christian worship was broken down in Ulster. It is breaking down. Thank the Lord that he still has 3,000 or so that have not yet bowed the knee unto the image of Baal but are willing to take a stand and stand upright for the blood and the book, for the cross and the crown, for the coming kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Elijah decides that the only thing is is to build the altar again, repair it, that which was damaged. How do we repair in Ulster that which is damaged? It seems beyond all man's capabilities, but rather it is not in your might. It's not by might and it's not by power but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. I believe Ulster's need of the hour is a revival movement in the church, a revival movement among the people of God that they'll turn back again to a place of prayer, a place of gathering together. Thank the Lord in such a cold and um, weary night like it is tonight, such a cold night where there's snow and frost and there's ice in the roads that we still have such a turnout when people have, are ill also with coughs and flus and so on. And you've come out tonight to hear the word of the Lord. Thank God that he has placed it within your heart tonight for you to be in his house and to hear his word. I feel and I believe with all my heart that unless the church starts to repair the altar, and not just any altar, I'm not talking about a wooden altar up the front, by the way. I'm not talking about an altar with a crucifix on it. I'm talking about the altar of the heart before God. I'm talking about the altar of prayer and the altar of worship and the altar of gathering together, the altar of taking our stand and being sold out for Christ and all that we are, being unashamed of him and unafraid of man and rather giving reverence and glory to God for everything that we endeavor to do in this island home of ours. Here we find that Israel are in a fix here. There's idolatry all over the land, Baal worship, set up by Ahab, Jezebel, and other kings before, right from the days of Jeroboam II. 
And now they're worshiping idols. And we find it, as I talked about last week, we find it all over the place. And it's not just in Roman Catholic churches, but there's idols being worshipped in the homes of men and women. The idols of football and the idols of sports and the idols of pop stars and the idol of actors and actresses and all of these things. And they look for their latest idol and icon to be like and to follow and to even worship We find that our nation is full of idols. And unless you and I put Christ first and remove the idols that has come into our lives, even as the church, for the church, it's so handy for us to sit at home. It's it's easier for us not to speak of Christ. It's easier for us not to open our mouth in the workplaces, not mention the only way to the Father, not mention the blood of the Lamb, not mention that He is the only one who can save a man, a woman from their sin who can cleanse them with with his precious blood. So easy to say nothing and to fade into the back. What about my job? Even in churches today, even in sadly Pentecostal churches today, and I'm a Pentecostal, even in Pentecostal churches today, the blood in the book, heaven and hell are very scarcely even mentioned today but rather the God of prosperity and blessing is all that they want to hear. Tickling the people's ears, speaking what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear in order to draw the crowd. But I have found that the Lord Jesus Christ, that when he is lifted up on his cross and the blood is preached from this book, I find he says, I will draw all men unto me. But this is where Christ... And Christ alone can help our nation and our families and our homes that when you and I repair the altar, I personally believe this altar is the altar of the four-square gospel, that Jesus is still the Savior of the soul, that He is still the healer of the body, that He is still the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and that He is the soon-coming King. This, this gospel that was preached, especially in the coming up of World War I, God breathed forth His Word. And God now breathes forth His Spirit. And He breathed forth the Pentecostal flame. And the four-square gospel turned the nation around again. Thousands came. Healing miracles came. And God was being glorified in all that was done. Folks, we don't need to have gimmicks. We don't need to have special flashing lights and we don't need to drop things from heaven to make it seem like gold is falling on us. We don't need to do all of that. All we need is more of the Holy Spirit. All we need is to stay true to the Word of God, preach Christ and exalt Him, and we'll find that He will always show up. He'll always be here and that He will do what is necessary and real for each and every one of us. Elijah repaired the altar that was broken down. The word repaired means to heal, to bring to health, to be full of health. This altar of stone was broken down. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of many hearts of the believer. I'm not condemning. I'm trying to, I'm trying to encourage. I'm trying to say, let's, let's get moving for God. Here is the altar needing broken down. What, what about from last week when we preached the things about the altar? 
Have you went before God yet and says, Lord, I, I want to repair the altar where it is in my heart that's went wrong? Whatever that's in me, Lord, in my heart before you that has become unhealthy, I want to repair it. I'm here before you on my knees. I have the word up out before you. I'm reading your word and I'm praying. I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm seeking your face. I'm, I'm getting up and I'm doing and believing, Lord. I'm believing that you're bigger than all of my problems and all the things I face. And, oh God, that you're more than able and capable to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think of you according to the power that worketh in me. I'm building, I'm repairing, I'm making healthy the altar of the Lord again, for we believe there's still power in the blood of the Lamb. Have you been there? The Lord has reminded me that I preached it, and every time I go to pray, He's showing me things I need to be made healthy, to be repaired again before Him. Here, Elijah, he puts the bullock on the altar after building the altar and filling it, the trench around it with 12 barrels of water, 12 barrels for the 12 tribes for the nation. The blood was on the altar. The altar had the blood, the blood, the water, the fire come down. Here is this gospel of blood, water, and spirit. And this is what we need for Britain, for the United Kingdom, for Ulster, for Ireland tonight, for these islands we need the blood, water, and spirit to be preached again in our nation. Notice this. If we go to our first reading, let's go to the first reading of the altar in Exodus chapter 27, please. Notice what the Lord says. He says, Now shall make an altar of sittim wood five cubits long, five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. Now notice, the altar shall be four square, four sides off this altar. One, two, three, four. Each side was five cubits, five, 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 and five. And was three cubits high, so here's one, two, three high. So here is the altar, five cubits by five, by five, by five, four sides. It was four square. Do you know that even in this altar points all to Christ and his deity and his humanity on the cross. Now, I notice this. The number four speaks of the elements of the earth or creation. Earth, air, wind, and water. Or earth, wind, fire, and water, if you want. And these are the four elements of it. it speaks of God's creation in the Scripture. For example, there are four points of the compass, north, south, east, and west. There are four seasons in the year, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. So four speaks of God's creation, the work of God's hands. But five, five cubits, four sides, five cubits. Within that, five speaks of grace. Five is four plus one. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and His name, one. So it speaks of God when we speak of the number one. One plus four equals five. What this is is God adding Himself to the work of His hands. God adding Himself to the work of creation. God adding Himself, bringing grace, bringing grace to undeserving man. Now three in height, three cubits in height. 
you have the depth of it. It speaks of the fullness of it and the reality of it. In the, in the mouths of two or three witnesses shall every word be established, we are told in Scripture. In other words, that one person's word, well, that's good enough, but a second person's word strengthens it, but a third person's word, well, it adds clout to it all. Now here, three cubits high is for a reason. Notice this. Three cubits, if you have a flat surface, you have length plus breadth. You have four sides, five long each side. If that's all it was on the floor, that's length by breadth. That's a surface area. But build it up three cubits, and it gives the idea of depth. In the Scriptures, God has revealed to us in depth the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the Scripture, the depth of things that we cannot plumb that we cannot fully understand, see if He reveal Himself in further dimension to us and in further revelation. So three means depth. If you had a box and it was a flat pack and you kept it a flat pack, it doesn't become a box till you bring it out. And so here we have the depth of the altar. This altar was to be covered by blood. There was to be a blood sacrifice upon the altar. Here we have man, created, fallen. Now we have God adding himself in grace and the blood that was shed upon it. And then we have the fire of God answering when there's a sacrifice upon the altar. In the day of Calvary, when Jesus bled and died, he cries on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It's being interpreted as my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know the idea of this is? That the son was crying to his father. He said, why have you left me in such a God-forsaken place as this? And he'd done it for you. And he'd done it for me. And the blood was shed. And the wrath of God was poured out upon him. That you and I might be saved. That you and I might free. Notice the second one is in Exodus 28, please. Exodus chapter 28. Now don't be getting too comfortable yet because this is only introduction. Last week was the introduction, but this is the introduction till tonight. Exodus chapter 28 and verses 15 and 16, we read of the breastplate of judgment. The high priest has a four-square breastplate of judgment. Four-square. And we're told there are four colors in it. There are four rows, 12 in total of, of stones with the names of the tribes of Israel etched into each stone. And if you read on, and when you go home in Exodus 28, you'll find that the they, that was tied on to the high priest that it would not be removed from the top of his girdle. That it was right against his heart that when he went into the Holy of Holies there, he brought the blood with him and he sprinkled the blood. Of, and there was the, the, the breastplate of judgment with the names of those who were under judgment, Israel and the law. And here he comes with them close to his heart. And here is this, he represents not only the high priest, but the sinner, the man. Here it is on his heart. It represents oh, the sinner, you and I, on his heart. 
And here is the holiness of God comes down between the cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, wing touching wing. And the glory of God comes down upon the lid of that box. That's called the mercy seat or the propitiation. Propitiation means God's wrath is reverted. Averted, pardon me. God's wrath is averted. There's the sinner going to be consumed. You know what you'll read, by the way, in there? You'll read the high priest and other stuff. He had across his forehead here, onto his mitre, and it says, it says, holiness unto the Lord. They're walking and says, only you are holy, O God. Recognizing that you're not good enough. Recognizing you're a sinner outside of Christ. Recognizing that only God alone is holy. And he comes with pleading for those upon him. The name's upon the breastplate of judgment. Notice the name of it, the breastplate of judgment. And there he stands and he sprinkles the blood upon the mercy seat. The glory of God comes down. There's the glory. There's the mercy seat. And the only thing that enabled the high priest to stand in the glory of God was the what? Was the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. He had a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate the whole way around his garments so that when he was in the Holy of Holies, he alone could go in. He used to stand at the other side of the curtain and they'd listen. And the bell and the pomegranate fit together. And they made a sound. The high priest is still alive. The high priest is still alive. The only thing that told them the high priest was still alive is as he ministered about the Holy of Holies was the sounds of the bell and the pomegranate. Here's the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Ghost. How do you know our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is still alive? How do you know that he's ascended into glory? Because he sent his Holy Spirit and within you there is the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Ghost in the church. It's the sound of the great high priest. That is the sound of the great high priest. Something to look at in, the, in Exodus 28, verses 15 and 16. Look at verse 15. Four colors are mentioned, gold, blue, purple, and scarlet. Briefly, the gold speaks of deity. Gold speaks of deity. It also gives the idea of faith and purification, that which is holy and right. Blue speaks of the heavenlies in Scripture, but it also, it also speaks of power, of presence, and it also speaks of healing. Uh, write this down, Numbers 15, verses 38 to 41. And when you go home, read at how the, the priests had to have a blue ribbon around their garments and their shawls. Do you know what that was for? That was to remind them of the commandments of God. That was to remind them God was real. God was like, this blue was around them. You know why? It kept them in mind that their God was still eternal. And he was still the same. And every time they looked at it, they went to pray. There was the blue on the garment. Notice this also. Purple speaks of royalty, of kingship, and of majesty. And scarlet speaks of the sacrifice of blood atonement. 
So here we have the colors upon the high priest. Four square. The apostolic testimony in Acts chapter 2 and throughout the, the scriptures of the New Testament was four square. That Jesus is the Savior of the soul. That Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He is the healer and he is the soon coming king. But unfortunately now, the altar has been broken down from the early church. That is from Acts chapter 2 and the, the preceding chapters of where the Holy Spirit was working through the men and the women of that day. And notice today they have kept two sides in the church. Jesus is the Savior of the soul and he preached the gospel message and we should and that's good and that's right. Jesus is the soon coming king and we should preach that he's coming soon because he is coming soon. But is he the loving healer? What about the side of the baptizer in the spirit that make up, see the altar has become broken down. People don't want to see anymore or don't want to hear all of the religion anymore. You know what they want? They want a show and tell gospel. People want reality of Christ. They want Christ. They don't realize even having what they want, but they're looking at you and they're looking at me and they need Christ. And they're looking for something. Now you listen, friends, and maybe this will get you stirred up a little. I hope not to frighten some of the young ones, but this is the truth. I was pastoring in Dublin and I came home and I was exhausted and I went to bed one night. And I had a dream I'd come into a church, something like this. And I walked in the side this way and there was this church and it was packed with people. And as I walked around the front here, I, I was looking all mesmerized. Wow, this is a great place. Well, I wonder where this is. And it was a wonderful church. And as I turned around, there was a dark, tall spirit about nine or ten foot tall beside me flowing garments, no face, just standing beside me, grabs me and lifts me up into the air. Starts wrestling with me in the air. And all I could think of is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And this was going through my mind in my dream. And I could feel the ache of him upon me. And a dark voice, a deep demonic dark voice came out of him and says, you will never win them. And I remember saying, I know Jesus has won them. And as though he ran with me right through, as if we went through the wall like this here, and we ended up in a cavern, like many times greater than the Grand Canyon. And suddenly I'm standing on my own on a ledge and I'm looking down and there was lights even below the bottom of the canyon again. Flickering flames just coming up out. And the sounds of the men and the sounds of the women and the weeping and the wailing and the gnashing off their teeth. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I remember the horror of it. People crying for help. Help me, help me. Squealing, yelling, pleading. Help me. 
And all I could hear was their voices. Couldn't see a face. And suddenly this dark figure comes around. Like he's running on nearly along the side of the wall. Only it's on in a cavern. And he comes and he grabs me and throws me. And I'm on this ledge. And there were two of my old friends I used to take the drink and the drugs with. Behind these bars. And they're going, Ken, get me out. Ken, get me out. Help me, help me. Please help me. And I remember trying to bend the bars and pull them through the bars and I couldn't get them out of these bars. Then suddenly, I felt a thud and ended up on my face and this thing was on top of me. Flowing dark figure. Standing on top of me. I tried. And I was helpless. And I was weak. I couldn't get them moved. And I remember I just cried. And I cried unto the Lord and I cried again and suddenly... <coughs> He went away as if somebody had put him on an elastic band, pulled him back away. And I stood up on my feet. And I, I came out of a sleep. I was sweating. And I couldn't speak. And I was shaking. Suddenly, as I'm coming out of the sleep, and I know I'm half awake and I'm half asleep, I heard a voice in my ear saying, Ah, oh, what about your daughter in the next room? And just as that was said, a piercing squeal like I've never heard before. And you know when your daughter's crying because they want lifted when they're young. And you know when a piercing squeal is, there's something horrific wrong. And I just pierced from the next room. Alison jumped out of her sleep. She was oblivious to any of it. And she runs into, and I'm so exhausted I couldn't even get out of bed. This bed was soaking. And she sat with the child and she was praying with the child and she came in to me and she says, Ken, I don't know what there's going on in here, but I'll tell you this, I've walked into something. That's just attacked our daughter. I couldn't even tell it. And all I could hear were the squeals of men and women. And see the lights flickering from underground of a lake of fire. Squealing like multitudes of running lava water. Help me. Help me. Help me. And I will never forget it. Why am I telling you that? Because our families... Because our friends, because our neighbors, because even our enemies, you wouldn't wish that even in them. They're all gone there. Who don't know Christ. Who don't know him. Church, let me speak to CET. Could we not be the light of Amistad to say we're going to start building this altar? We're going to start. Lord, we're going to start by seeking your face, crying for our nation, praying for our enemies. 
And you listen, brothers and sisters, Ulster is being tore from the inside out. It's being sold out and it's being torn from the inside out. And the few and I do not pray these demonic forces that are in the heavenlies are what is causing this to happen. Then if you and I do not start to build the altar, then where will our nation end? The tail is now wagging the dog. Wickedness is prevailing. And a man like me, well, I'm just a lunatic. A man like me, well, I'm just a bigot. I said last week, and I said again, and I don't make any apology for it. I'm not saying that to try and be cross to anyone. Ulster is not for sale to any demonic force. In fact, we should be praying Britain back out of the dark. Ireland's going to vote on the the Eighth Amendment of the Abortion Act. Babies being massacred in the womb. Drunkenness in the church. Same-sex marriage. The Lord Jesus in Exodus 15 and 2 it tells us of him, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Notice, who is my strength? Who is my song? Who is Ulster's strength tonight? Who is our song? It can only be in Christ. Man has tried. Listen, men are only men and women are only women at their best. And man and woman has tried. We need a move of God. We need God again to come in revival power as he did before. We need the church to start believing that he is the same yesterday, on today, and forever. We need to wake up, we need to get up, and we need to stand up for the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We need to get on our feet, brothers and sisters, and come together in unity and love and the blessing of the Holy Ghost. We need to be able to stand and say, thus far and no further do these demonic influences over the leaders of our nation, men and women in government, Exodus 15 and 2, the Lord, Jehovah that is, or Yahweh is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. See the word salvation there, underline it and write this. Yeshua. The word for salvation. Salvation is abstract. It has no material existence or form, you see. But salvation no longer is abstract because salvation took on a material existence and form. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, 14, pardon me, says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, salvation now is no longer abstract. It's something out there. 
Salvation is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the word Yeshi here. Let's read it. For Yeshua is where we get Yeshua HaMashiach. That is Jesus the Messiah. Let us read it in the context then of that. The Lord or Jehovah Yahweh is my strength and my song. My song. He, Jehovah, is become my Yeshua. Or he, Jehovah Yahweh, is my Jesus. And he is my Jesus. Listen. The world will have you believe. Islam will have you believe. Judaism will have you believe. Unitarianism will have you believe. Jehovah's Witnesses will have you believe that Jesus was at the utmost a prophet of God. Yea, he is very God. A very God. Who hung and bred on Calvary's tree the altar of the Lord for us. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 9. And it shall be in that day, though this is our God, it shall be said in that day, though this is our God, we have waited for him. This is our God, our El, our Elohim. We have waited for him. He, Elohim, God himself will save us. This is the Lord, or this is Yahweh. We have waited for him. We will be glad. We will rejoice in his salvation, or we will rejoice in his Yahshua. We will rejoice in Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters, come on. We're speaking of the Son of God. The one who came and bled and died for us. The angel said to Mary, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jehovah, his salvation. For he shall save his people from their sins. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, said Peter, of the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Jesus is also the healer. He says in Exodus 15 and 26, I am the Lord that healeth thee. The idea is I am the Lord who keeps you in health. How do you keep us in health, Lord? Well, I've given you divine food laws. Eat and be healthy. He says, I have given you, Israel. He says, I have also not only given you up, but I have given you ways to know how to farm your land. Leave a field out one and seven. I've given you how to, how, how to have your government basis for everyone to be, make sure that they're all looked after, that the widow is looked after, and that the orphan is looked after. I have set it all out for you. If you'll just read my word and live by my book, he says, I have given you it. I am the Lord that healeth thee, or I am the Lord that keeps you in health. Listen to Psalm 103 and verse 3 of the Lord. It says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Psalm 147 and verse 3 says, He healeth the brokenhearted, and he bindeth up their wounds. Now listen, the word healeth, and the Lord that healeth thee, who healeth all thy diseases. He healeth the brokenhearted and brandeth up their wounds. All three times, the same word is used in the Hebrew text. It's the word Rapha. That's why he's called Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. 
It's the exact same word where it says in 1 Kings 18, and Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord. The word repaired is the word Rapha. He made it well. He made it better. Why don't you go to God? Why don't you go to the Lord and say tonight before you go to bed, Lord, here I am. This is your altar. Make it better. Make it well. Send forth the fire of your spirit, for I'll lay down my life as a sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Here I am, Lord. Why don't you go and say, Lord, I want to repair that which has fallen sick in me. I want to repair that, Lord, which I'm not doing right by you. I want to repair that. Show me, O God, and I will build the altar to your specifications that I may do what's right in your sight. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm coming to pray. I'm repairing the altar from when I wasn't praying. Get up and read and say, Lord, I'm coming to read your word. I'm going to believe you and take you your word because I have let it go Lord I'm coming in faith to you Lord because I have let my faith slide and slip because of things and people and hindrances and harms that have come my way but I'm repairing the altar oh help me oh God for thou art Jehovah Rapha the Lord that healeth thee oh CT what if we'd done it as a church you know what would happen I believe that the Lord would send the fire he'll send the fire Here's the thing whenever he sends the fire. I'll do this another night, but here's just, by the way, I'm going to have to close. You have listened to me for about 40, near 45 minutes, 40 minutes. Here's the thing about the, you see in the feast days of ancient Israel, okay? I'm not going through them all, but here's, you have Passover. Passover was when Jesus was crucified. So the lamb was slain at Passover. Jesus was crucified, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world at Passover. Fifty days later, we have Pentecost. Pente means 50. Pentecost was when the 120 believers were in the upper room and they were seeking the face of God. You know what they were doing? They were repairing the altar the altar that was ruined in the temple, the altar under the traditions of men, the altar that, that, that the Pharisees and the Edomites had come in and twisted and turned, and they were starting to repair it under the, under the, gui- under the guidance of the Lord. So they're starting to pray, and the Lord sends the fire in Acts chapter 2. Do you know when that was? 50 days after Passover? That's called the Feast of Trumpets. Do you know what the trumpet was for? They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they went out. Do you know what they originally what they were doing? The Lord was saying to them, now you go, and you go in the power of the Spirit and proclaim. You know what they're proclaiming? The first thing they're proclaiming, ah, the Lord's going to give you a general plan, and all is going to be great, and you're going to be able to, and you're going to be so rich and mighty that the Lord's going to bless you so much, saith the Lord. That's not it! They were preaching Christ! They were preaching the blood. It says, He whom you crucified, says the Lord hath raised him up. That was the trumpet. The church was the trumpet. The trumpet of the Lord was the church of God. The feast of trumpets. Do you want to come next? We're still in the Feast of Trumpets at the moment, if you want, in time scale. You know what's coming next? 
Feast of Tabernacles. You know what that means? Behold, the tabernacle of God is with me. God in flesh, the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Savior is coming. The Redeemer will break the clouds and He will return and He's going to tabernacle among us. What a Christ. I'm starting to preach myself happy. I am. Oh, preach myself into a blessing. He's the healer. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is a baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He is the soon coming king. I've got scripture after scripture and word after word. Here's the thing. Isaiah 53. Verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. For our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes ye are healed. Now listen. See the word there for healed? It gives the idea of blue. That's what me. Blue or blueness. Do you remember the high priest had one of the colours? It was gold. And there was scarlet for the blood. Gold for daddy, scarlet for the blood. Then there's purple for royalty. He's the king of kings. And then there's the blue, the Lord from heaven who's coming with healing in his wing. <coughs> Remember that? What well, gives the idea of when an, a, an open wound is sewn together, starts to go blue. You know what it says? There's healing coming. There's healing coming. There's healing coming. Uh, Jesus was wounded for you and me on the cross of Calvary. By his stripes, we're being sewed together. The healing's coming. The healing of the Lord's coming. Oh. When you start preaching Christ, the four-square gospel is Jesus is the Savior. He is the healer, the baptizer, and the coming king. This is what I jotted down, and this is me finished. Because I could do a third night, but I won't. Listen to this. I was just thinking about it. And I wrote this just on the top of this page. Four square gospel is Savior, Hater, Baptizer, Coming King. It's knowing Jesus as Savior. Believing Jesus as Healer. Seeking Jesus as the baptizer. And we're looking for Jesus. He's the coming king. He's the coming king. Isn't he wonderful? Folks, the Lord has been laying all this on me. Laying it heavy on me. And I'm seeing our nation going to hell in a handcart. And all the time they're thinking they're wafting to heaven in a handbasket. And the church, I, can't, I don't mean every church, and we're no better than anybody else, but what I mean is in general, you know what the church is doing? They're sticking their head in the sand, and they're saying, you know what we'll do tonight? Let's have a coffee night. Have all the coffee you want after an eating, you know, when our cafeteria is open again. 
instead of the meeting. Do you know what we'll do tonight? Now listen, now this is true. There's a church not too many miles from here and they brought a magician in the other Sunday night. altar is breaking down the altar is breaking down and you and I will be seen if you take a stand and you're too hard line no no I have a heart soft for all people it's the blood on the book the cross and the crown the Christ of glory and we're going to stay like that as long as I'm in CET as long as I'm behind here that's the way we're staying I believe in the Pentecostal gifts. I operate in the Pentecostal gifts. I feel, but it's not charismania. It's the reality of God. That big lad preaching the other week, he preaching the, the gospel. He preaching the blood in the book. Him preaching it. And you'll be preaching it again, big fella, but you're going to be preaching. And he will, because if anybody comes here and they do a lot of waffling, they're going to waffle on out that way. <laughs> And it'll be waffle on, you'll not be back again. We want to keep this church. Do you know something? I'm going to share this with you. See, from this church has been opened, there's been nothing but attack after attack after attack after attacking us. I mean, vile as a vile from people within the church and without. But you know what the Lord says to me? See, the more they attack you, the more I'll bless you. And you know what's happening? I'm going, work away. (laughs) Work away. Because he is the one that's blessing us. There's more lies ahead. Keep going on. Keep trusting. Keep preaching. Keep witnessing. Keep praying for people. Keep witnessing for Christ.